So welcome everyone. Good afternoon. Uh, my name is Tanvi Sharma. I am one of the co-founders with My Child First. And uh, thank you for joining us this afternoon uh, for our Talking Tuesdays. First topic, uh, why wait for labor to begin? Uh, we have uh, Divya Deswal with us. A lot of you ha would have attended, uh, you know, her webinars, her classes, her talks. Uh, Divya brings with her 20 years of experience in the childbirth education space. And she's also um, a craniosacral therapist. Uh, she has, uh, uh, you know, she also practices somatic experiencing. So uh, this afternoon, we are going to speak to Divya on why we should be uh, waiting for the labor to begin. Uh, a few of you uh, also had sent us some questions. So we are going to uh, bring those questions up uh, during our discussion. Uh, so over to you, Divya. Welcome. Hi. Good afternoon. Uh, thank you for joining us. We are with My Child First. Uh, I'm also one of the co-founders of My Child First. And we have three questions that we had got and we had posted them up on our latest poster. And the first one said, EDD is an estimate and not a cutoff. And so, you know, when people are going into labor, um, oh, well, sorry, in pregnancy and they go to the doctor, the first thing they find out is what is the expected date of delivery. And then it becomes due date and uh, due dates. And then it becomes due date. And then it becomes kind of fixed on your calendar as a date where you think that's the heart where I will meet my baby. And this sets up an expectation. Because very conveniently, nobody tells us what the E stood for. So E means estimated, which means there was a certain equation or a certain formula applied to say that if this was your last monthly period, then this is the 40th week and that's where it is. But where did it come from? So uh, anecdotally, uh, when you read uh, old tales, ancient uh, wisdom, you hear lunar months. So firstly, it's a 28 day cycle and then Babies can be born in eight, nine, or 10 lunar months. So it could be that whole period of time. And then accordingly, they were treated because the testaments didn't say that this was right or wrong, but it just said that some babies come at this time, some babies come at this time, and some come even later. When Nigel, the gentleman on which the formula is based, took that information, this is how he broke it down. And he said that all women have their menstrual cycle for 28 days. And on the 14th day is the midpoint. And that's when the ovulation happens. And that's when the conception has happened. And then there'll be 266 days for the baby to get gestated. But even as I'm saying this, can you see the issue here? That this is an estimate because of the three things in this formula, the first one that says, the first one that says that um, the women have 28 day cycles is not true. Some women have less, some women, women have four. Not everybody will ovulate on the mid part and not all conception will happen in that short window. And the most important is that when we see each baby's gestation, um, they're not robots. They are human beings. And so that gestation is 266 days, which is just an estimate or an average. If you bring that to, to this baby, this particular human being that you're carrying, how many of those things are true for the baby? 
And we can't really say that. And actually, obstetric textbooks also recognize it. So they have a window, which is, they say, 40 weeks plus minus two weeks. And that would make it a month. Because if my, my baby's due date, estimated, was 15th of July, when I say minus two weeks, it makes it 1st of July. And end would be the end of July. So that July becomes my birth month. Not truly uh, 15th. And so should it be called a due month instead of a due date? Um, I think uh, if we get caught up with the words and semantics, we will still arrive at the same place as we are. But if as mothers and parents and care providers, we embrace this understanding and in our language, in our association, we change it, it becomes great. So it's, uh, uh, you know, when we say that, we say, okay, for some people that may be, but only five, four to five percent of babies come on their due date. And so that, that period will come there, which also tells us that the, we don't have to treat that due date as a cutoff point and don't have to do interventions just because that date is gone. So a lot of, lot of people uh, you know, uh, actually go beyond their due date. But the argument given is that we don't really hear of women go beyond 40 weeks. That is because in the last many, many years, we are not letting anybody go past their due date. So we're looking at due date as a cutoff, and then immediately we're doing an intervention. So really, we can't say, um, you know, when they would have ideally gone into labor because we didn't give them a chance. But if we see other um, health services around the world, or if we see midwifery care, nobody's in a rush to think of it as best by date or cutoff date as due date, and they're always willing to wait. And I had a very interesting incident. I had a French... Uh, um, uh, client as a doula and when she came back from France and she found us the doctor asked her oh so you've checked everything what is your due date and she gave a particular number and then towards the end when there was a talking and the doctor said oh there is still you know you're just 39 weeks because there's still a week to your due date she said no no in France the due date or the estimated due date is at 41 weeks so that also tells us that there is really no worry about that 40 week as a number and a bigger picture of health for the baby and mother should be considered. Um, and also, I'm, I'm wondering that if she was not French, but an Indian family lived in France, they would also look at their last monthly period and given them a due date or an estimated due date of 41 weeks. But babies, um, you know, if you want to look at babies, grow, you have to look at them individually. We look at uh, ethnicity, we look at uh, their, their social conditions, their education levels, their stress levels, their nutritional levels, uh, uh, genetics, so many different things. And then to top it all, the mysterium of birth, this baby has his own story or her own story to tell. So that is what will make it really, really unique. So uh, that brings me to another point, Divya, you said about the baby. So, uh, you know, what about the development of the baby? Uh, you know, uh, so we, we should wait it out. So how does the development of the baby gets affected if we uh, have an intervention, uh, you know, before the, the normal or the natural labor begins? So to understand that, let's say what initiates the natural labor, right? Does the baby have a clock? Does the baby have a calendar? Does he say, whoops, I'm late to come out or, you know, uh, my lease in the womb or this environment was only 40 weeks and now it's up, I need to come out. I don't think the baby thinks like that. In fact, I know the baby doesn't think like that. So 
most of our biology, not just baby, but us, will follow a developmental process, which means one thing will happen, it will make the foundation of the next step, then the next step will happen, then that will become the foundation. So there are always these growths and integrations, a movement inward and outward. This is really remarked in babies because when you see their development, if you take a video or an animation of a fetus development in, in kind of a fast forward motion, you'll see them going this way and then coming out this way. And this is how we meet the world. This is our developmental print. So something is developing and then something else is developing, but this development is dependent on this, what has happened before and what will happen as an environment, what is the input coming in, what resources I have. Um, if you want to really simplify it, think about um, an education program. So you say, if I take my 12th exam with these subjects, then on this, I can build this as my bachelor degree, then I can specialize in this. And can I afford to go into master's right now? Can I do a double degree right now? Do I have enough time to study two subjects? Don't we evaluate that on a daily basis for everything to see how we can develop. And this is not just growth, but develop as a person and our resources. So the baby is doing exactly that inside. And he's saying, okay, but what it fundamentally needs to do is to finish its, its um, growth in terms of organs that are needed immediately outside. Lungs being the primary one. And it's interesting that when you see, look at the research on due date or how the baby initiates labor, it is directly linked to the, uh, to the lungs. The lungs are producing a substance that is actually offering pressure inside the lung as it's developing. So in the beginning, it can't exchange gases. So we don't worry because nothing is happening in that field. But as the development of the lung takes place, this fluid or this surfacent is an outward pressure so that no circulation happens through the lungs because we are still in water in the amniotic fluid in the mother's belly. Now, as that surfacent releases in the amniotic fluid through the placental, the complex ways that the baby and mother is communicating, the mother's body begins to prepare. But there's a window of preparation. It won't happen before the lungs are ready. So by saying that it is 35 weeks or 37 weeks and this is what is happening with your baby, that's not the truth. That is actually a reflection of a collected data that for majority of babies, by 37 weeks, this is happening. By 38 weeks, this is happening. But again, how are we counting that 37 or 38 weeks? That is a very important question. So we are still counting it from an assumption of gestation. Was the baby truly conceived at that moment that we had considered? Possibly or not. So instead of trying to conjecture so many things, why don't we leave it to the wisdom of the baby, which says, as the lungs will prepare, it will signal to the mother. There's a massive mechanism of signaling between the baby and the mother, both inside and outside. That's what biology is given up when we say birth is natural. These are the natural processes that are already put in place. So can we let the baby then signal to the mother and decide when it's right time to come. But lungs are not the only thing. So, you know, when we say, when we go to doctors and they say, oh, if you're 40 weeks, what's the point of keeping the baby inside? 
Well, here's the point of keeping the baby inside. That as the baby is growing, and say we say 40 is your cutoff, but actually that is not the, 40, the 38th week of his gestation. We don't know. Even though people say that the first trimester uh, ultrasound is a more accurate age, agreed. But it's the age of the baby. We still don't know how much time he needs to cook. And I'm going to give a cookery example. So a cake, which always has... Uh, you know, um, instructions given of how much uh, sugar uh, and ingredients and also how much temperature, how much time, each oven will cook it differently. This is a human baby. So even while we can quite well estimate his age from a first trimester ultrasound, which is a gestational age, that if I can see the lungs functioning, then it is beyond 22 weeks. And I'm not seeing this thing function, so this is the window. We can't say how much it took him to get ready. For that, we still have to defer to the baby because baby knows best. And so we wait, but the lungs are not the only thing that is preparing. The mother's body is being prepared in different ways. So there's prostaglandin that is softening the cervix. There are receptors on the smooth muscles of the uterus that get more active and abundant over a period of time as oxytocin gradually increases in her body, which means that two days earlier, if the capacity to sustain or receive oxytocin was X, it may be some, something more than that after two days. So even if we've negotiated two days before intervening, we've given the body that much better chance to receive uh, you know, um, this thing. But and then that, that's one of the things. But the mother's body is producing antibodies for the baby. Now she knows that the baby's coming. So uh, the colostrum, the vaginal fluid, all these different things are getting ready for the same process. And that is what nature's and uh, you know kind of already put into place. The other things that are growing, the baby's brain is growing quite phenomenally in the last few weeks. More importantly, the myelination of the nerves is happening. What does that really mean? That means the information from the brain to the body will go more effectively if there's myelination. And for particular interest is vagus nerve, which is the 10th cranial nerve, because that will then do heart rate, breathing, and digestion of the baby. These are one of the few parameters we look at right in the beginning. How's the heart rate going on? And so, yes, that's true. And one of the reasons why we want to offer this information in, in the sense of power to women, because they're getting anxious. This cutoff date is making everybody anxious and, oh, don't take a chance. But what is the chance we are taking? Right. And if we were to bring the baby out, is that not a chance we are taking as well? I, I right. do want to say here, um, and I just read it in one of the comments, but I want to reflect that back, which is really true, that uh, anxiety of the mother is a damper from the mother's side on the labor process. So while the baby is now getting ready and he's signaling, something the mother is saying, no, no, but I'm very anxious, which basically her nervous system is saying it's not safe to get the baby out yet. And it's putting a damper. So both of them are waking, wait, and, you know, working together, but it's really worthwhile to wait because so much is happening in these last days. So Divya, there's one question by uh, Gaya Ramaswamy. And she's saying that uh, I'm pregnant with my second child. And yesterday when I discussed with my gynecologist regarding waiting uh, beyond my due date, 
she said no we can't wait beyond 40 weeks and that's why due date is given but that's an estimated due date it also says plus minus correct due dates are not fixed so so maybe there are two things i can i mean i can suggest one is first see how you feel about waiting or not waiting what is important to you because if you are going to choose the ideal or the perfect path and get anxious about it that's counterproductive so what you want to really do is to first tune into yourself and saying that my doctor is saying this she's my care providing team but i strongly feel this and this is what i am most comfortable with so it may not be an ideal situation since you are in a situation like this but it would be this feels better for me than this and then take the next step on that which means which could mean discussing it with your doctor if she's open to it or uh, getting a second opinion but it starts with you because more than anything that your baby feels about the world uh, in reality of what's happening outside is your perception of it so it's really important that even when you're making these decisions which may be not what evidence says we not be ideal but this is where you're at and these are my options which one feels the most simpler for me to do because finding that place of saying oh i can be with this is also a signal to the baby saying oh the world is safe again so i wish i had a more uh, let's say ideal or a more practical or a more definitive answer but there isn't because doctors are people but when she says that oh that's why it is a due date you're not penalized for for not paying your bill on due date it's not like that so ask her what the e in the edd stands for and then when we take an estimate there's always a 10 to 15% up or down for anybody that's why we say oh just give me an estimate and we don't hold the person to that number but we know that it can go up by 10% or 15% so so i mean the e is for so you yeah, also mean that um, uh, because of uh, you know the mother's anxiety that could be a, a psychological disadvantage yeah not just psychological all psychology is in the body as well right there is a bodily expression which is there are there's neurochemistries there's muscular tightness there's so much to do with fear okay so i'm just going to read a couple of more questions before uh, uh, you know we go to the the uh, third point um nit I Nith actually jumped to the third point Tanvi yes because they were related uh nits.rk is asking how much of a risk is involved if uh, with the baby and the mother when the due date goes beyond 41 weeks even at natural birthing centers they are ready to induce in some natural ways true that is true again when we do risk evaluation there is never a 100% answer for that so there are many other things that we are looking at so what is that what that we are looking at uh, there are ways to look at how the baby is doing right now some of the fundamental things like what is the blood flow how is the uh, amniotic fluid may be considered uh, how is the mother feeling what is the general well being around the mother a conversation about what's going on with them so it's not really we say that if you look at the numbers we say okay the risk increases gradually past 41 weeks and then definitely after 42 weeks and therefore everybody does have a sign of an outside boundary but think of societies where there are no numbers or people are not evaluating or people don't remember their due date or in old times when they didn't remember so many due dates 
how did we evaluate it sometimes i you have to think that the number is actually probably the one that is making us anxious so risk does increase after 42 weeks that is what research says but i also like to say that when we do research there are set parameters in which we are researching therefore for the same uh, object we might find research that says one way and then the other way so ultimately it comes back to you because no matter what decision you take this is your baby and your risk at no time is anybody else taking the risk so let's say that you are past your 41 weeks the same conversation holds true even then with your care provider the only difference in our in our uh, in our relationship with a care provider who's supportive is that they are listening to your feelings and they might give you options and they may not be ideal options because ideal would be that the baby will initiate labor but you will still be able to say how do i feel what do i do next and then a part of this knowing is also understanding that if i have intervened for whatever reasons whether my anxiety whether some issue with the baby whether medical reason or fear whatever it is if i have and this is not the ideal time for the baby then my baby may need a little bit more consideration because from the baby's perspective he just got yanked out or evicted before he was ready okay so the whole process of this conversation is not really about to identify right and wrong but more to give skills to parents to make decisions uh get a little bit of risk tolerance and support themselves and their babies to come out of this back to what would be a more regulated way of life rather than getting caught or uh, you know uh, not being able to release what has been done okay great uh, we have another question from lakshmi priya mohan and she's asking that so we wait up to maximum 42nd week and if still no uh, labor comes we can go in for induction is that correct yes that is correct if you are in obstructive care or even so again each care provider will have their own philosophy some uh, care providers midwives who do home births who know your family who know you well uh, they have their own way of uh, evaluating risk but every human being will have an outside boundary but that boundary cannot be imposed so while science says 42 weeks and mother may feel differently and then if she has a care provider they can wait or she may not feel comfortable even till 42 weeks and that can also be a conversation but it cannot be a conversation that is being imposed on a mother and baby because this is a cut off date okay uh we have another question from kruti and she's asking what would be the amniotic fluid levels at 38 week is it necessary to get induced uh of fluid level if fluid level goes down to 8 Okay so when you look at your fluid afi index depending on what mechanism they use for measuring it you would be able to see a range is it within first question would always be is it within the range just as an evaluation if it is already within the range there is no urgent rush to get the baby out now then maybe because look at the weather around say for example i have a mom who i am supporting and at this it's 8 at 38 weeks look at the weather around you have you hydrated well give yourself 72 hours of good hydration including um uh, salt balancing so maybe three uh, nariyal pani let's review it again in 3 days so three things can happen a the fluid index goes up no problem it was dehydration we solved the issue let's move on number 2 despite doing everything it stayed the same 
but it's still not decreased. And so can I maintain my level of hydration so that I can buffer it? And number three, it is reducing, which says that despite my best efforts, something is going on with this baby. How much is it reducing? Only then can you evaluate whether this is a, a matter where you should intervene or not. So most interventions are not, especially around induction, are not like, oh, it's an emergency, let's get the baby out now. If it is a true emergency, that would be a cesarean. This is an emerging situation. Something is changing. So we're watching. A good conversation would say, this is what is happening. This is what we are watching. These are the consequences. This is the time frame we can wait in. And then we're observing it. And if anything changes towards an emergency, then we go in that direction. Or it points in that direction, then we choose an induction. Otherwise, we don't. There are a lot of women who've had supposedly low AFI and three days later after hydration, even with the baby moving, find themselves that now, oh, now it's nicely buffered. Because it's the timing. If we had done that ultrasound three days later or two days earlier, maybe the results would be different. Okay. Um, we have another question from Rishti. Rishti is asking, I wanted to understand that my gynae says that we might need to induce pains before 40th week since the baby's abdomen is not growing sufficiently. What do you suggest about that? Okay, so I don't want to comment on a medical condition. If she's saying that the abdomen is not growing sufficiently, she, there will be an ultrasound that will write it down. And then there will be a diagnosis that she will do on it, which she will put in writing. So when we talk about awaiting and estimated due dates, we are definitely talking for women in the range of low-risk, normal, natural, healthy pregnancies with healthy babies. If there is truly something that the baby's growth is affected, then that is another conversation to have and for you to understand what are the signs that you're seeing that indicate that this baby needs to come out now. Um, do you understand that? Do you get a, a, a chance to uh, evaluate it? Maybe get a second opinion on it, but it has to be on paper. It can't be in the air. Because if it's the truth, they should put it down. That's a genuine medical reason. There are medical reasons why the baby should come out early and, and inductions are done. So I'm not denying that at all. That was not the conversation. But if they are saying that the abdomen is not growing, then they would have an ultrasound result and a clinical correlation where the final authority, your doctor, will write down a diagnosis on which the action has been proposed. So your options are laid out from a condition. If there is a condition, definitely, I think that's the whole purpose of having medical science is to uh, kind of save, uh, you know, protect us from the offshoot of pathology that may arise for a few people, but not to intervene in a system that works well. How many of us do that? Systems that work well. How many times do you open up your car if it's running well? Or take it to, a, <laughs> to, to the garage. And last time I asked this question to somebody, they said, oh, but we send it for servicing regularly. So I want to tell you, that's the difference between nature and inanimate, that the servicing system is within us. And one of those systems is called sleep. So when we sleep, our body repairs and gets serviced for the next day. So it's not servicing I'm talking about. But do you get your engine opened if there is nothing wrong with your car and if it's running? True. So if it is making a sound or if it's doing giving you trouble, that's the time to take it to a specialist, to a mechanic. 
true. Uh, another question from Febzan. Febzan is asking, why do most doctors opt for induction at 39th week, even in a normal pregnancy? Technically, I can't answer that question because I'm not a doctor. And I think that is one of the questions we should be asking doctors, but I don't think doctors have much tolerance for our questions. Uh, there was a study that said that um, uh, the, the risks increase considerably after 39 weeks. And then they had listed out some risks and they had listed out two studies. This was an ACOG paper. And then they went back and said that, no, no, you know, when you look at that study, it doesn't really come to that 39 weeks. But you know how things are. Once we hear a negative, it's very hard to push it out of your mind. So now everybody's doing conservative or defensive medication. And I think primarily because doctors don't study the growth developmental psychological effects of what um, babies go through or what anxiety can do to mothers. They study it afterwards. That, oh, if you're anxious, then, you know, if you're anxious, your fertility is affected, but your birth can't be affected. Your baby's development is not affected. But they're not looking at the links that this might be cause of anxiety for the baby. Because that's not how they're taught. And a majority of our life, I think we live with a par paradigms that are already fixed as templates. It's called subconscious program or social programming or educational programming, cultural programming, subconscious programming. So perhaps they've not... Um, looked at the other side of, you know, as the baby is born and you take the baby home, then whatever happens in the rest of life, we've not seen the correlations yet. Maybe that is why. But I really can't answer that question, though it's true. Uh, two questions which we had received um, prior to this session. First was, is it true that induction of labor doubles your chances of having the cesarean? So the word doubles is the problem here. Because humans are very individual, therefore, those two studies will not produce similar results. We, we, let's say that there is nobody else in the world like me or you. We are all unique in our way. So to answer this question, I can tell you the process that may lead to more intervention, including cesarean. But I can't say the word double. Double is a very fixed number. So if you, if for, for most people, if you have decided that this is uh, the baby is ready, but the baby is actually not ready, the link between the baby and you gives a very clear signal to your body, which is pregnancy, keep the cervix shut because we need the baby to grow fully so that he can survive outside. Now, if the induction is done at a point where the baby was not ready, then despite of all the medication and the pains you take, your cervix will not dilate. That will become a C-section. So right off the bat, we have opened ourselves to a possibility of a C-section because we cannot know how it will behave because we don't know how ready the baby and body are. There is something called the Bishop score in which you can check how the body, how the cervix is today. But that is not a testament of what will happen tomorrow. That is just the retrospective story of what has happened till this moment. So when we look at the bishop score, it was really good. We'll induce you. That it may not be the truth. The, the, the cervix is soft and seems right, but wasn't quite ready to open up. Think of all the people who go for a holiday and pack three weeks ahead of time. And think of people who pack two hours before the flight. Cervix is like that. We don't know its nature, where it's going. That's number one. Number two, um, 
induction does come with its own mental anxiety, but it also feels in the body as something is done from outside. So uh, think about pushing yourself on a weight training machine versus weight being loaded on you. There's a very different feeling of safety and threat in the body. When you're lifting to your own, you're punching higher than your weight, but you're doing it with motivation, something assists you from inside. But if you're loaded with weight, you'll buckle under that weight. So depending on how your body perceives those contractions, it can either open up or shut down. So that's another way it can lead to a C-section. Thirdly is that you might have very strong contractions. You may take an epidural for it, but the baby is feeling each of those contractions. What does that mean for the baby? The uterine wall gets tight. His head is now pushed against harder muscle, firmer muscle, and oxygen supply is deprived. How does the baby, baby experience that? We don't know. So fetal distress, and that might become the reason for your C-section. So we have opened up many opportunities for things to escalate to a C-section by intervening. And that is true for any intervention. When we bring in something from outside, that is not uh, endogenous to our body. That's not, we don't have mechanisms to deal with it. Depending on how we perceive it, we will either open up to it or shut down to it. And that is why there are more chances of C-section. Um, but stress also does that to you. So really we're not comparing. I want to, I want to simply say drop the objective. Uh, if you do want a higher objective, the objective is to work for the benefit of the baby. And then that means tuning into the baby, asking the baby, uh, feeling yourself. If I feel comfortable, if I feel open and expansive, chances are my, my body will open up. But if I'm feeling, oh my God, then where is, that is so much more effort is needed to open up that cervix, it's the muscle. And you know when you have mental stress, your neck hurts, your arm gets, your back gets tight. Muscles transfer that tension from one to the other. So I hope that answers your question. It was a really long answer that it wasn't really direct to the point as a yes and no. Okay. Uh, one more question came in. Um, which she's saying, uh, does a large baby is a, can a large baby be a medical reason for induction? Okay, I want to understand that baby. Is the baby already large? Then it doesn't matter. But the baby is going to become large. How do we define that? But more importantly, why will this baby become large? Again, I want to bring your attention. We are talking about waiting and letting nature take its course for women who are healthy and low risk, which means the baby is healthy. So if the baby's healthy and the mother and the baby's body are synchronized in biological processes, then why would any baby become too big to come out? How, does, how do you explain that in terms of nature's perspective of procreation? I cannot understand that. So unless the mother's body has a pathology or a, a, a metabolic dysfunction, why would the baby become bigger? Also, remember, this baby was a germ seed in your um, you, uh, ovary when you were a fetus in your mother's uh, womb. So this baby, is this cell has the wisdom of your growth. It knows exactly what your pelvis looks like. The second part of it, what part of the baby is big? The head, the shoulders, he's crunchy. Everything is movable. 
the mother's body is also movable so if this is the pelvis this is the head this can increase in size and this can decrease in size then where is the problem of what defines big big so i don't understand the big baby tall babies can look high in weight so they're just tall which part is considered to be big to pass through so we are talking about big babies from a paradigm of doctors who see pathology who have learned to deliver women in lying down where neither of the joints become mobile and have a baby push upwards so it's really counterintuitive to giving birth and therefore i don't believe the tale of big babies at all great so uh, that kind of answers all our questions in case anyone else has any questions you can post it in our comment section um i hope we were able to address most of your queries and uh, okay so another question came up is there more risk in second pregnancy than the first uh, in case of normal delivery weight beyond 40 weeks no because mechanisms of growth of the baby are developed from the baby's body the placenta the cord are a part of the baby's self for for the baby is not a second baby he is the baby and yes gestational ages may change between the first and the second baby that's the dynamics of this baby with the mother it could also mean that this mother's body is matured enough or has experienced labor before so it, it some of the receptors are easily matured it's not a new journey she's taking but having said that why should there be any risk to the baby because the for the baby the placenta the cord the amniotic fluid the membranes are his they are his cells they have nothing to do with the mother and so uh, no i don't think so great so uh, that brings us to the end of this uh, live session and thank you everyone for attending uh, this session sorry there was just one last question we are going to take by net uh, she is saying what are the natural induction ways any recommendation like consuming castor oil doing squats jogging etc okay so um, this natural induction is one of my pet topics just because we put the word natural or organic in front of something doesn't make it any different than induction so the word induction hear it carefully and think what is my purpose uh you know uh why am i in a rush to evict this baby because as far as the baby is concerned anything you are doing to throw him out is eviction am i afraid of what the doctor might do if i cross my due date that's a conversation with yourself or do i look at these herbal remedies tinctures and things that i do as a facilitation for my body if your attention or your your intention is to prepare your body for birth then by all means the jogging the squatting everything will help but the desperation the anxiety of beating the induction or doing whatever will probably counterproductive having said that when for me when you're consuming something you should know really well that when i consume something it's a irreversible process can i um uh, you know i have to see what might come up so castor oil leads to uh, a lot of distress in the gut lining and how that might be perceived by the baby and that's the unknown quality and so but squatting what does squatting do it actually 
uh, opens the pelvis, gives more room for the baby as the baby comes down. So if this is the wall of the uterus and this is the wall of the amniotic or the amniotic fluid bag. And as the baby looks, and that is the one that produces, uh, say, um, prostaglandin uh, movement. These things can support the baby coming into better position, signaling to the mother. But there is really no straight connection to say, if you do this, this will happen. That's not how ever it works. So if you eat so much of iron pills or so much of spinach, your hemoglobin will grow, grow by basement points. It's not as linear as that. But to see how this process will facilitate my body or support my body, that's an important question. And then you can look at home inductions through that lens. But if you are a moment, you catch yourself thinking, oh my God, what can I do so that I beat induction or start labor naturally? Well, this desperation tells you that this is really not natural. Nobody's supposed to feel that upset or that anxious, especially when they're carrying the baby. Look at our culture. We, we, we always want to make the pregnant woman be happy. We tell her, eat well, rest, be happy, read good books, look at good media. Why are we telling them to be happy if they're going to get so anxious about giving birth? So put it in perspective to how you feel about using uh, but it's nothing new. Uh, we eat specific food to grow capacity of our body, including protein, etc. We have used tinctures, herbs, oils. Majority of our, uh, you know, self-care comes from there, but it's self-care. And you have to approach it like that. If you can approach it like that, then everything is game. Do your research on it. And if you feel comfortable taking it, you believe in it, go for it. So a question has come from Priyanka, though I know that you've addressed this question uh, regarding uh, stress and anxiety, but she's saying I'm in the seventh month and right from my conception time, I have been undergoing a lot of mental stress and I'm concerned that this will uh, cause and that uh, if this will cause any difficulty in having natural labor. I can't answer that question because it's unique, but I'm happy to hear from you. Uh, maybe not today, but maybe, you know, you can write to us on our email and tell me what is that stress because of. And uh, on one hand, we can look for ways of supporting you through that stress if it is something that you can't get rid of. And the other side, if it is a daily kind of up and down, then that doesn't really affect the baby that much. But if it is really something very deeply connected to you, then we would like to support you to, uh, you know, how to uh, buffer it. Uh, best ways to not feel stressed, but it's easier said than done. So um, it's it's not a simple answer. You please write to us. I I would love to address it. And also, um, uh, if you if you want to share that, Tanvi, that next time we are going to talk about anxiety and fear being natural yes. as well, and how that comes in contrast Correct. with. So that is our topic yes. for next. So our, our next well. uh, session for uh, the Talking Tuesday is around this: that birth is natural and so is fear. So we would be addressing this. Uh, we would be happy if uh, you know you all can attend that session. Uh, however, Priyanka, it would be great if you can uh, you know uh, come back to us, uh, put in your details uh, in uh, either through a direct message or write to us on our email ID. We'll be happy to address uh, you know your question one on one. So uh, one uh, last um, uh, suggestion that has come from Zoe. Uh, she's saying, uh, would you like to recommend uh, women? Uh, in terms of you know uh, like a to uh, like tools that they can uh, uh, so let me just actually read her um, uh, you know message how do you recommend a women women equipping herself with tools to advocate for birth she may desire 
without handing over her power to a doctor or anyone else for that matter okay again something very close to my heart um and the word that she used is quite correct that women do handle over their powers nobody takes it from them so firstly it starts with your preparation you know when people talk of birth plans they talk of birth plans that the caregiver will do but for me a birth plan starts with me clearly understanding what is important to me and then discussing it with the other parent the partner and the larger family because you need their support first then finding a care provider who is either online with you or is open to negotiation but the way that you frame that conversation and that conversation happens way before labor begins so birth plans are not primarily said to oh this is my birth plan and you have to follow it birth plans are evolved out of a mutual understanding which would put your uh, insecurity at bay but if you do it early it also gives you time to get a second opinion explore other options without feeling the pressure that i'm stuck here we uh, never put yourself in that corner so ask those questions so there are two things will happen a your your care provider will give you the answers or they will not if they not you know that's not a good fit somebody who cannot take the time to answer your questions when that is their primary job to reassure you to make sure you feel safe then is that a good fit for you if they do answer your questions a couple of things may arise a they may be in line with what you're saying that <laughs> that's utopia the second thing would be that they they may not be in line with it but they're open to listen and that will that's where the sharing will come that you know natural birth is my responsibility when i need medical help or when i need it or when i want it you are there you are my team and that puts the relationship in perspective in terms of where power is concerned and thirdly would be that they say no i'm the doctor this is how i practice take it or leave it you still have the choice to leave it and find another care provider so there may not be a chance that you may get the first thing ticked off right away but you may find a care provider who would uh probably there'll be a give and take and you may get majority of the things that you truly want uh and also it gives you a time to go back and munch in do i really want this or you know how do i feel about this so it isn't about getting everything your way that's not power the true power says to clearly define what i want and then stand for it and then find a way to make it happen because that's what you're going to do as a parent as well for your child you're going to look at the limited options life throws at us and you're going to pick the one that optimizes your potential and you're going to work hard for it it's right now does that help great so i think uh, that brings us uh, to the end of this session thank you all uh, for attending our uh, talking tuesday's first live uh, insta live with divya deswal on uh, this topic our next session is going to be next tuesday and the topic is uh, uh, around uh, uh, you know fear and anxiety so we will be posting details about the uh, uh, the the live session on our insta handle uh thank you so much all for attending this uh, uh you know live session with us and thank you divya uh, for answering all the questions uh, you know so patiently and uh, you know thank you all and thank you for listening to me thank you see you next tuesday